Driving this wild road so long My heart's been from you Ten thousand miles gone Oh, I wanna come here and give you Every part of me But there's blood on my hands and my lips are clean In my darkness I remember Mama's words being cut of me Surrender to the good Lord And who wipe your slate clean Take me to your river I wanna go Take me to your river I, I wanna go Dip me in your smooth water I go in As a man with many cries Comes up for air my sins flow down the Jordan Oh, I want to come near and give you Every part of me But there's blood on my hand And my lips are clean Take me to your river Hey, relax, everybody. <laughs> relax. 
Hey, welcome. Hey, uh, this Brilliant. is my son, Kufa. Oh, oh, he's really, really tired because he's had polyfest all day yesterday. Oh, he's yeah. at Tudor Boys High School. He had a gig the night before. And I said, Dad needs a favour. I need you to sing over people as they come in to our space. Um, so they get to feel what we feel in terms of our culture being Pacifica. And so, love you, but I know you're going to go, so I'll take your stuff. Hey, uh, hey just, just real quick, um, this is a talent or a conversation or a cordial around, around Pacifica around who we are as people, um, around the gospel, so to speak, around how do we decolonise our own faith in terms of what we've grown up in uh, to be free of who we are uh, as humans, first and foremost. And so I've got some um, superheroes that are going to take team with me today. And obviously Andre and Shanice are going to be um, part of this corridor as well. And again, um, part of like a corridor or this conversation, it's a, it's a two-way thing. So we, we're all going to converse. We're going to have some time for some Q&A. Later on, we've got about three hours Jokes. <laughs> Jokes. Get up, yeah. Like, it was like, it was like one o'clock. It's like one o'clock coming. So we're gonna we're gonna we we'll have some Q and A after. Um, but again, um, just talking to the to the crew and, and obviously Amwana, Fano uh, and Ainga that are here. We just want to have, just share some thoughts, provoke some thought, see what that means for you within if you're part of a church context and what it means for you in your church context. If you're just part of a community, they're on this whole journey of whatever faith looks like for you. Hey. No more honey, my kiko nay. Or if it's just how you're just curious because um, you're just brave just to be here. And again, just an acknowledgement too because it takes, takes, a, takes a lot just to come and be part of something. So I'll give you a bit of my spiritual journey um, and then uh, we'll go through. So just so you know, obviously, I won't hold this away. You'll obviously see some um, siapo or some motifs around. Part of our culture is actually um, it's called the bar. And part of the bar is about us sharing space. And so, likewise, you're coming into this space. Uh, we'll own this space for this short time that we have. Um, and then, obviously, it'll be, it'll be somebody else's space. But while we're here, we're going to infiltrate it with this whole thing of who we are as humans. So, cool. So, um, so we're going to give some voice to the last spaces. And this one, this is awesome. Tell me. I've got a gift bag. Oh, yours, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, just to sort of lay, um, uh, we talk about within our um, island culture of um, follow the fun, or we're going to lay out the mat. Unfortunately, I don't have any fine mats with me. I don't have any fine mats. I'm still at Polyfest. So the next best thing is some of these yapo and then a little fine mat where the TV is. Mm. I can't roll that up too much because it's really short. All good? So, real quick, um, I'm an um, ex-Pafiel, ex-minister, ex-pastor. Um, did that for about, uh, about 15 odd years. My spiritual journey started with me when I was five, growing up in a traditional Ifakasa uh, Samoan church, uh, where mum was really staunch, leading into my biological dad, who was a staunch Mormon. And so again, there's this mix to that. And then uh, when my um, biological dad um, passed away, uh, my stepfather came along and said that he was a, a staunch Roman Catholic. Again, so again, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was that, and then it, and then it moved through to me finding my own little journey of faith within the uh, Pentecostal slash cult Baptist church, <laughs> uh, which then led me to um, having little woke moments to where I started, uh, where I became part of a uh, what they call an interdenominational group of churches, which was called Lincoln Z, and that was up that side of the Watu, and so I was sort of part of that, uh, and now I'm, I'm nowhere. <laughs> 
So I've sort of been on this journey um, in the desert, so to speak, uh, for the last nine years, uh, re-navigating what it means uh, for me to be Pacific and what it means for me to have faith, what it means for me to work in my community. So I like to say I'm an eclectic mix of mess. Claim it, claim it. Okay, so, so out, of, out of today you're going to hear just a lot of it, it's going to be our heart. Um, what we call the futsal, the dreams and beats. You're going to hear some of who we are. Okay? Uh, we're not speaking to your intellect, we're speaking to your heart. Okay? So you're going to hear a bit of that. There's going to be some rhythms and nuances that we're going to share around some of that stuff. All good? Yeah. So just relax. It's, it's all good. I promise you're going to have a good time. Um, but with the hope, what we were talking about, is that maybe you'll leave, leave to see a little bit more deeply on some of the different issues and some things and, and what does it mean for you and all that sort of stuff. But likewise, when we start this stuff, we all have, almost have the introduction. So being the cultural person that I am, here's my family. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Shelley. Uh, we have been married uh, 29 years as of last February. Uh, been together 35 years. Uh, I met Shelley... Met the church, quite all that. Next thing I know, we're married, and woo! But I love it a bit, and she's been a part of my journey throughout. So Shelley's uh, background is Scottish-French, uh, with a mixture of a bit of chocolate with a bit of sa. We've just got a blend going, happening. Uh, next to her is Harrison. Harrison is 28 next month, and Harrison started my whole journey around the rainbow community. Harrison mm-hmm. celebrated being himself uh, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, he's why I do a lot of the stuff and why I'm involved with like Moana Var. He's, um, he's a beautiful boy. He does fashion. He lives in Japan, so he's fluent in Japanese, and he knows some on swear words. I blame Shelley. <laughs> um, um, but again, um, he's living his best life, who he is within, the, um, within Japan, um, navigating his own journey of being this Scottish, French, Samoan kid um, doing fashion. I love him. I just, I just like that photo. Next to him is Gabriel. Gabriel is 25 in a couple of months, and Gabriel is just flying back from Japan. She teaches English over there. Uh, fluent again in Japanese. I don't know some on swear words. We're all good. Um, but, um, Gabriel, she's here for three weeks, so that's why Cooper's gone. He's going to go hang out with his sister and just connect again. And, and again, she's on this journey too for herself, um, because my kids, as you know, they, they have this mixture, so they haven't been white enough to be white and not brown enough to be brown. So they've been stuck in this grey. And, uh, and, and like I shared earlier this morning, what does their dance look like within the grey? Uh, next year, obviously, Head Cooper. who was down here. Cooper is now uh, his second year at university here at UC. He's studying uh, criminal justice. Uh, and he wants to work for the police force where I work. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be amused, though. That's my backup plan. Because <laughs> that's what he's passionate about, as you, as you heard. Um, and so, again, he's, he's about all things injustice, and he wants to sort of get into that. And then there's Rosa. Uh, Rosa is our little princess. She is 17, all day at Polyfish yesterday. She is, like, literally, she's comatized today. Uh, she's at Averside Girls High School, and, again, she's never again in this space. Um, she has an intellectual disability, so she presents as this beautiful 17-year-old uh, with the mindset of a uh, 6- to 7-year-old navigating in a woman's body. And being in, a, being in a high school, and as all of us grew up in high schools, they suck and they're terrible. And so she's trying to navigate that. And then the last one is Esme. She is a little diva. Uh, es, Esme. Esme is 10, and um, Esme loves the world. Esme's deaf, so she signs, but she reads lips as well. And she's taken us, our whole family, on a journey of what it means to be Pacific, but, be, but to be deaf. And how do we embrace our, our, our deaf community and what does that look like? And so she's really cool. Just a real quick story. Uh, just the other day, um, we were talking about something and I realised that, realised that we have a lot of adult talk around her. And she moaned about me getting into a tidy her bed. 
And I, I said, you've got to try to better. And she goes, well, where's the equity in that? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, oh, OK, all right. I love that she's Christian even now at 10. We've we got a long way to go as parents. So, um, but that's my family. That's the context that I'm going to speak from a little bit as well. And you're going to hear some, um, about some beautiful families from my, my two superheroes here as well. And again, we're just going to be this uh, mix of us sharing the VAR with this space. Now, for those who um, are not aware of the VAR, um, uh, Albert went. he's got this real eloquent phrase of what the VAR is, what the space between us. But I, I've, I've got some of my homies to do another one. Uh, now, this is from Fast Greg, and I love these. I love this crew. They articulate what the VAR means to me. And so I thought, why not share it? Because you're here, I'm here, you chose to come. We're going to narrow it a bit to kill. Why not? So this is what the VAR means. I said to an old bitch, and I mean that in the most respectful way. <laughs> I just felt my feet were burning there, but it's okay. Um, um, I said, um, to um, tell the VAR, the um, philosophical cultural call to action, to take care of the VAR, to care for your relationships. Uh, we are all connected. Our actions and our um, intentions matter. The way we treat people matters. All our relationships require the same respect and regard uh, we hold for ourselves. Beautiful, eh? Um, and they just, they, they do it so well. And I thought again, again, let that marinate for a little bit. Park it. This is good. Choice, another an hour to go. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm just going to put up some questions. I'm just going to put up some questions just to provoke some stuff. Um, but this all ties into obviously our Pacifica rainbow. It ties into people in general. It, it, anybody that lives in Brazil has got a heartbeat. This relates to you. Cool. So, and we'll pull on my colleagues real soon. Um, so, does Tangata Moana have agency in your churches? Or do they have voice? Do they get to sing in terms of their cultural stuff that's in them? What does that look like within, within the big picture? Or even if, it's, if you're not part of a church or the ecclesia, then what does it look like in your community? Uh, if you're working for different communities, how, how does indigenous cultures come, come to the forefront of where you're at? Make sense? Right. And so the reason why I've got that, that's actually a seesaw. Yeah, I just Googled that, and that was the best I came up with. And the reason why, because I'm, I'm real visual, and Pacifica people were so visual. Uh, something about nature and that, that we see with our eyes, we smell. And so part of this is actually just to give you, because the seesaw, as we're going to have this conversation, this, this talanoa, your seesaw will start to go like this a little bit, because things will look a bit different for you by the time we end. Make sense? So even though maybe on one side at the moment, heavily, it could change later on after, after some of my superheroes speak. It could sort of still be in the balance in the between. So you'll see some of that. So let me explain this stuff just real quick. So obviously this is Carver. Now these, these two amazing um, men are my good friends. Uh, Marepo Seta Timo, who's Solomon Islands Samoan. And alongside of him is um, Dietrich Sorke, who is Tongan Samoan. And we have Carver together. Kava is around us coming together, um, or someone we call it the, the other, but we come together and all we do is converse, and we converse about life, and we, we just, we're taking it back to what, was, what happened now with our ancestors back in the <coughs> islands, what did it look like for them, how did, they, how did they, before the missionaries came over and all that sort of stuff, how did they converse, they converse like this, they sat and they had a talanoa, without the four walls, everything's really open, hence you saw the picture of that, the whale in the beginning, and we do this, and, and, our, and our, again, I want to get some images into your head because for us as Pacifica, when we come into your spaces, these are things that are true and dear to us. These are things that, again, it's that beat. This is the stuff, this is the rhythms that we hold dear to. So I thought I just want to put that out there. 
One, I thought it was really cool pick, but two, it sort of just gives you a bit of a context on, on some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. And so part of this virus, and you'll see down here, is I've got a tanoa that was given to um, my wife and I when we got married 29 years ago. And it was given to her from a good friend of mine, um, Eki in Samoa, because I looked after him when he came from Samoa, and then he got deported. Anyways, um, but he gave this to us. And this is like his family, he been in his family for like 500 years or so. And, and so this is here to represent unity. Because something around the circle or in our kava bowl, our, our tanoa, that's around us coming collectively. And, and, and what we mix in there is what we drink out of there, but what we drink out of there is the goodness of, of who we are. Make sense? You getting quite visual? Sorry, just keep it PG. Okay, cool. So, and I'm going to bring in my colleagues on some of this stuff too. So, the question that I have is do we have agency with Pacific in our, in our spaces and all that sort of stuff? But, but it's really good to hear from other people's journey growing up in the church or even in some, some of their contexts. And so, I'm going to do a bit of a tag team, move more backwards this way. So, my superhero set, and I'm going to give you some of their context. Okay, because yeah. I think it's important because these are lived experiences that some of you may resonate with, some of you might have no idea with, yeah. and some of you might think, actually, I don't realise that. And we'll, we want to dispel some of those things that maybe in some of you want. So is that okay, Andre? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Right. sure. This is Andre. Awesome. Okay. Um, it's about to have a little bit of a meeting with you, Monumbalu. We've got a meeting with you, Monumbalu. I'm going to have a uh, kia ora tātou, uh, tāla flavorion, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Tangata Whenua, Timati, and then also Mana Whenua as well. Um, Jeremy, I want to acknowledge you, what a beautiful scene you've set for all of us, and there's two things, I feel like we don't even need to speak, I would love to just continue to hear from you, and I think if we think about what the church would look like, I think about your family actually, and the, just the way that you are, and the way that you, you and your wife have been able to be parents to your children, mm. I think that is a takeaway for us, even if we live now. So the way that you honour her, the way that you just speak with her so lovingly, is just superb. Um, so um, I'm, my, I'm Samoan, um, and I'm also French and Italian. <laughs> no, just jokes. So my parents came to both Samoan, both my parents have passed away. So if you don't mind, Jeremy, I'm just going to so, weave into yeah. some of your stuff, some of the social cultural contents. And the research in New Zealand shows that Māori people and Pacific people die earlier than any other group. That uh, due to um, health inequity, due to the two minutes of health, and honest, and to be honest as well, due to a racist society in which we have an innocent health system that is not responsive to Pacific people, we often pass away earlier uh, than the general population. And so my parents passed away at the um, ripe young ages of like 59 and 63. So that was like uh, 13 and 23 years ago, respectively now. So I really miss them, but they had a really, really uh, amazing lives. Uh, my parents came to New Zealand as part of the context, uh, the Dawn Raids context. And I think that if we're talking about visibility of Pacific people within Pacific churches in New Zealand society, how much of us know the New Zealand story? First of all, though, I must pay respect actually to Tangata as well, because how much of us know the New Zealand Aotearoa story and this experience of um, Māori? So as I speak about Pacific, I don't want to take away at all in any way from the experience of Tangata Whenua, who have absolutely marginalised, uh, discriminated against legislatively in every other manner uh, for centuries. So our experience is adjunct to that experience, as well as I think of Asian uh, New Zealanders as well, and, and many others. Um, so very much from our story. So my parents arrived here as part of that um, 
whole um, time when New Zealand um, New Zealand needed labour and they needed cheap labour, and uh, and then our people came over and we had a really uh, and you know came over different communities. My parents both came here from different places. Church was a massive part in our family. My um, third generation Seventh Day Adventist. My family really pride themselves in saying that because my grandma's, my grand, my dad's side of the family, um, they were um, doctors and nurses and they were Catholic. And when the first Adventist missionaries came to Samoa, they scored a real coup in that they got my uh, family to convert. So my uh, grandmother's brother wrote the Samoan anthem, which we all sing, and they were a prominent family. And that was sort of. Um, across the Pacific and across the countries, the um, denominations, Western denominations, divvied up different islands and then within islands, different parts. And they really said, like, you go colonise. And then we have truly absorbed that, the whole missionization of the South Pacific. I think the South Pacific truly shows how successful that campaign has been in that we are here all this time later. And we, uh, if you look around the church uh, profile with the face of the church in New Zealand. It is, there's a lot of brown people there, you know. Uh, not necessarily in white spaces taking up the agency as we have, but there's a lot of us that make up sort of that. So we're really well and truly taking up what it means to be Christian. And, um, and in that, it's really hard to tell the difference between culture and religion as well. And often they become one of the same thing. And then if you're a rainbow person like us, these two powerful forces become used also against us as well. So when we're looking at the culture and we're also looking at religion as well. Um, the, um, the role of us churches was really powerful because when we came to this country and, um, and when they didn't find acceptance and belonging and when they couldn't you know, talk to people, whether it was by their own language or whatever else, uh, they congregated often in their church groups as well. And so there was a real staunch loyalty in terms of the uh, religions that we have. To this day, when my mum, she was a Fakasa, or the Congregational Church, converted to Adventism, um, it is still, my mum's been gone for 23 years now, it is still a sore point for her family. They remind us all the time, you know, that they wish that she had never converted. So that, that's how deep religion goes for us. Um, probably one of the things um, I'll just say, and I'll, I'll be quiet soon, is that um, I think one of the experiences that Shanice and I both bring is actually um, a queer lens. Thank you so much for the way that you accepted your son, Jeremy, you know. Um, because unfortunately, I think because of um, the way that religion um, falls in our culture, that uh, religion, rather than it being a good thing, that is mostly a good thing, and can I just say this one last commentary on this, is that um, Samoa Pacific people are amongst the lowest paid in this country. You know, the Human Rights Commission has done the Pacific Pay Gap, which shows Pacific men and Pacific women are amongst the lowest paid when compared to the general population. Even when you take into account things like education, and then therefore education in terms of the type of role that that person might get, even when you account for that, that only accounts for 40%. Overwhelmingly, uh, overwhelming, there's like 60% of a reason why do we get paid less than others? And a lot of it has to do with the historical narrative that we came to New Zealand and the dawn rates, and this enduring, uh, assumption and presumption that we have come to do lower level task work and we are still trying to move out of it even when we get into jobs where we have similar skill, similar qualifications and maybe sometimes even more so but we will find ourselves continuously in that place. So it's within that context for instance 
that uh, my dad, who had to leave uh, his family uh, when uh, his dad became sick at age 11, um, he started to work for his family back home in Samoa and didn't know how to read and write. So when he came to New Zealand, he taught himself to read and write. And when you came to our house when he was alive, we had books everywhere, like everywhere. By the way, just a side note, and you know, us as symbols and emblems, you see Bibles around here? Mm-hmm. In our house, the worst thing you could ever do was to put another book on top of the Bible. Oh, it was Never mind opening that, you just can put anything on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we had books everywhere, my dad taught himself to write, and in his spare time he would just write continuously. But my dad was a taxi driver as well, and when dad uh, was in the cabs, though he was a boxer and everything else, disrespected in every way. Uh, lost the amount of times that dad would come home from a shift and people would either ripped him off, uh, physically assaulted him. I remember one time he was physically assaulted, but he could stick up for himself. But they didn't even bother going to the hospital because they knew the inference and the assumption would be that my dad started the fight. And then also we couldn't afford not to take time off work as well. When my dad would go to church on the weekends, um, despite not being treated very respectfully as a taxi driver, my dad had brought into the kid taught himself to read and write. And guess where he gets to really exercise that? At church, you know, mm-hmm. not only from the pulpit, when he gets to serve in the kitchen, it's a place that affords him dignity and respect as well. And I think for us, like, it's really easy for us, those of us who are rainbow or those of us who are more progressive and liberal, to look at the role of certain people in the church and say that they're backwards. But we don't account for it. And it's a fact that when New Zealand government, when New Zealand society wasn't there for our people, the church was. And God was. And to be honest, when you're really struggling and you don't know how to pay your next bills, yeah. it's God that really came through for that. There's so many uh, times in my life when we didn't know how we're going to pay bills. And I can tell you, hand on heart, we'll pray and then God will miraculously find a way. You know, That's the context that we all come from. I think for those of us who have gained and come out, we then get denied that experience because then people start to look at us and they start to say, who are you? You can't claim that God. And yet we've grown up in this context where God was super, super real to us. Moana Vahu's here and you guys just do a brilliant, brilliant job. Hope you don't mind, but I hear this experience today. Because I, I spoke to a couple of the people that were looking after the school, and Moana Bar is um, awesome rainbow uh, MVP fat, um, agency down here. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying that, because I saw that there was a church two stalls up. So then I asked a couple of them last night. I said, hey, what was it like being a bit of a troublemaker in human rights? But I was genuinely interested. What was it like just being with the church, just two doors up? And then they said to me um, that... Um, someone was approached by the pastor of that church and the pastor said, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. So um, that's, this is not 20 years ago, this is yesterday, (laughs) less than 24 hours ago. And so um, I want to really respect and talk to that person who received that, um, that that confronting message. But, um, and I'm I'm not, and again I'll say this is a rough life situation, I'm not blaming that pastor necessarily all either. Uh, similar to some of our sports players that have this homophobic or transphobic view, they often just say that they're a product of their environment. All they're doing is repeating what they've been taught from the pulpit, and then if we go further back, by colonisation and by missionalisation as well. So we have a job really to decolonise, as Jeremy was saying. Um, so all I'll, I'm going to finish talking now, but all I'll just say is this, is that for us then, who finds ourselves as rainbow as well, as we try to come out amongst our families who are very dedicated to the church for very good reasons. And then even the conflict that we have in ourselves 
because we see that as well. And when we read those Bible verses, uh, it's a really tough ask. So I'll just call on everyone really who calls himself an ally um, to really ask those who are Pacific, like, what is the best way that you can help? And one of the things that you shouldn't do, if you don't mind, is just not assume your Western lens on what you think is helpful. So to give you an example, I've just come from the Human Rights Conference in Sydney, and a lot of people there in, in the human rights space globally are talking about uh, decriminalising the Pacific and uh, decriminalising homosexuality and sexuality in the Pacific. Yes, we need that. But people from the Pacific will then say, particularly in the island like Kiribati, and they'll say, this island that may not be there in a short few decades from now is our most primary need, the decriminalisation of homosexuality. Not that that's not important, but the but it's not the primary need right now. And unfortunately for many of us that find ourselves in New Zealand with increasing poverty, levels and layers of marginalisation, that um, certainly we want to create inclusive spaces, but we often find ourselves in the collective, and even someone like for me who's rainbow, who definitely wants to see, definitely wants to see better rights and better visibility for those who are rainbow, also want to just see better justice actually for our people overall and at large. So that's my contribution. Just one thing while you marked as well, sorry, Mimi, other um, um, co-martua that's here as well, and those who have gone before us, we stand on the shoulders of um, giants like you. So <laughs> well Thank you. in the past few days. That's why I feel like I'm getting. Um, where do we start? Kōwaio, ko pukupuka tēnō hi kāinga, ko roto te whākāinga, ko te wharimāmoa, te wharitūkona, ko matiriki te manutūkona. He pākeo tōku māma aingari no tainō i te iwi hoki. That is, on my father's side, <laughs> Sorry, I got on my fields from the soil. <laughs> um, on my father's side, we're from Wale, which is in the Cook Islands. It's one of the Cooks uh, in the north, closer to American Samoa. So I've never been, uh, like, we've never been able to afford it. Um, but it is something that we are drawn to doing. Um, but I think there's something in this context that does come up is. Would I be safe? <laughs> I'm like, would I be safe? Um, and I think that's important to know because on our island, there is a law <laughs> where you may be uh, one of three things and you may not bring any others. <laughs> so you may be Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Cook Island uh, Catholic, or you can be, I think it's Anglican. Well, that must be because that's what some of us were. <laughs> so, I think that's just one, one part of the intersection for me. And uh, then we come back over, over to where we are now. And I think my experience is really, how do I articulate this <laughs> helpfully? Um, I think my experience is really, didn't consciously shape me. Well, I didn't have a conscious awareness of how they shaped me in every aspect of my life for a long time. So I think uh, growing up with my grandparents 
and money being a bit of a tight issue. Although they did attend PIC, you did and then also outside of the Bible Catholic Church from Lousy. We did attend sometimes, but really the most common service we had was at home. And so there were really strict rules around that. <laughs> um, so I kind of, not, not going to lie, I kind of did prefer not to have it there. <laughs> because it would be a rule of um, you wake up at 6 a.m. and you would have cooked everything for the next day, you would have done all the chores on Saturday before midnight. We wouldn't even wash the dishes. <laughs> and we would uh, have service from 6 a.m. till midday or one ish. And then after that, we'd eat our cold food, pH. Um, <laughs> and I think what came with that is an inference of really how much of this was culture for me and how much of this was the word of God. And I think I spent a lot of my early days figuring this out because the other churches I was going to with my grandparents were, well, one was a white Catholic church like we went Anglican, we also had Wesley Methodist. One time I went to a uh, Quakers church. Um, and a few other things, they would just test them out and see what, what would fit. And I think what that brought back was the reason we never, wait, the reason we had these homes and uh, services was really like, what would it be if we went to a closer church? You know, we couldn't take the gas to Goldstown, but what would it mean if we went to one around us? And I think for my grandparents, a lot of that was around safety, you know, like cultural safety. And uh, this, this fear of, you know, what would the Pākehā way in the church really mean for us? And will my grandkids grow up with what they need to know? And how much of that will be taken away? And how much of the culture will come out of it? But I think, so in that sense, I, I understand. Um, just off topic, we were allowed, I think by the time I was uh, about eight years old, we were allowed to play last card on Sundays, uh, <laughs> which really changed the mood, <laughs> because otherwise everything was bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit dangerous after a while. So. But, yeah, so I think, for me, that was the beginnings of this tension. Um, and as I grew in life, there was also this impact of the Māori side of me. <laughs> so from my great-grandmother's side, we descend from Pōtātou uh, Pero Pero. And uh, it was always kind of awkward, because uh, her son is actually quite racist. <laughs> he, uh, he's white passing, and uh, I think he, I don't know if it's a good person, he had to go, but he's also kind of, so that's not what <laughs> but I think what we saw really was like how racial tensions started shaping our experiences of moving into these spaces. And for me, my, uh, for my grandmother, who um, for my grandmother, her I guess her main purpose for us was really just to role model what faith looked like. Um, she didn't really preach it too much to us because we had been going to all these different churches with different people, and she really just wanted to respect that. So she would tell us, though, 
that it was very important. That was kind of awkward because she only told her grand, uh, grand, uh, grandchildren that it was very important um, that we still acknowledge that tiny aspect, um, even if she's sort of lost a bit of the connection. <laughs> um, so I think one element of cultural safety that I just want to keep in everyone's mind is what does that intersection look like? Because as I grapple with it myself, there's elements of how much of this is colonization, how much of this is just what's being passed down to me from each grandparent, you know? And I think the way people perceive me as well is like an important aspect of that. So, you know, it's the same thing, you know, a papa or like foreigner to my island side, I'm islander to the Maori family, and then I'm just brown to the white side. <laughs> There's no distinction, which is one thing. But, uh, yeah, so I think I'm not really giving you an answer or anything, but uh, posing a, a, a question and giving you some examples. Um, as you can hear from my superheroes, I mean, this is painful, hey? Mm. And, and it's not indignant, well, not about this being every white person because my wife's waiting to be awkward. <laughs> and I don't want to get arrested. Um, but, but it's the whole idea of um, this pain. Mm. This pain when agency gets snuffed a little bit, or vice versa, when, when the lens that we're looking through is not the lens that we thought we were looking through. And so, again, this time I know this is about some of that. And so again, please, please don't feel any shame or nada, because it's not about that. It's not about who we are, because this is the bar. And part of the bar is what we share the space. Like, there's no egos to stroke here. We just, we just want to share our story um, so that you're aware as you go to your places. And even your own story has agency in where you are. So um, I'm real big on this. You know, who we have around the table says a lot about the Jesus we follow. Um, and my kids have to remind me because I can, I, can be, I can be real thick sometimes and just be real bundy and, and do some real silly things. And, and my kids are reminding me, like, who's around your table then? Um, what does that look like? Damn it, kids. <laughs> but it's true because there's something out of, the, out of the mouth of babes. And, um, and I love it because, again, <laughs> Shane and I were, were, were coaching our kids um, how to have agency. But question us too, because like you heard from the superheroes, and I say superheroes, and I, and I don't mean that like real flippantly, because I, I mean that there's something in, in who these two are again when they share that. To me, man, that just, I just grow like another arm or something. Um, but like what I'm saying, um, my kids around the table stuff, it's really important because, again, you, you, do, you do rise to the level of your environment, and if that's your environment, then you know, and if it's, and it's not healthy within that, then you're going to find something to make sure that you get healthy. Because uh, otherwise you just do what, what we all know from what our parents said. I grew up where they changed names when you uh, at school. Um, my Tokelau friends, went, uh, his name wasn't um, Tehal, it was, it was Fred because they couldn't pronounce that. So this is some of the context I grew up with. Vice versa, like in the Golden Raids, where mum made it like a, a game. So when Uncle Boeli was there and then knocked on the door and Uncle Boeli was in the closet, it was hide and seek. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought it was hide and seek. I didn't realise there were people at the door. But again, this is what some of the, our, our culture does in protecting some of, that, some of that safe space and stuff. So just a couple of things, because what time do we have to finish up? Three. Oh, three. Oh, man, let's slow it down. Let's slow it down. Um, cool. So this is really interesting. So I talked about um, um, the cover. And uh, again, this, 
it all ties into all of this stuff. And around this group is um, guys that are from different backgrounds, different beliefs, uh, different just sort of journeys all together. We have Māori Albanian, uh, we have um, Tokelau, we have Solomon Islands, we have Nui, uh, we have Māori, um, we have Pākehā, uh, we had one of the Fijian brothers come through earlier on. And, and this is what happens with us within our cultural context. We converse and the Talanoa goes where the Talanoa goes, just like, just like today. Our Talanoa is going wherever it goes, wherever it chooses to, sort of, to land. And what I love about this, for me this is, for me, this is like the gospel, personally. <laughs> Because this is an eclectic mix of people um, that want the same thing, but we have different avenues how to get there. But the fact that we share vast space means I honour what you're saying. Because that vast bit of white with the space to face means so much to me that I honour your space. That space between us, mate, that's heavenly. Or what we call vata white, that's spiritual. Does that make sense? And so we're always coming from that cultural standpoint because that's our DNA. Or when I think I'm vital enough for like in the seat you're sitting in. In the islands or in our culture, there's certain seats where you sit, and that's okay. And there's sometimes where one time you'll be in that seat because you, you have a role that you've got to do, but then you move over because somebody else comes through. And so there's this generational thing that happens within our culture. And so this is just a glimpse of what someone that looks like. And so, because um, a lot of these guys, they know that I'm an ex faithful I could ex faithful minister or pastor, um, but I'm just me when I come to this space. I'm just Jeremy, who's a dad, who's a husband who works with the police, who are frustrating as heck, <laughs> who work in a community that's crying for help to, just to live. That's, that's the journey that I rock up to. And now we know within this space that when it's finished, we've got to pick up some of that stuff that we came in with, and that's okay. But that, the whole idea is that this has been around for generations within our culture, that you can come and do this stuff. So I thought, again, if you haven't heard a lot about this context, then now's your chance to sort of let some of this stuff drop. Cool? Just a couple of things, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have some Q&A and stuff. Um, I think it was, um, um, like Shanice said, and, and similar to um, Andre, is that we do live in a tension, in, in the tension now, but not yet. So even though I know there's going to be a point where I re-engage back within the church somewhere, I don't know where that is, but I'm, I still live in that tension. I long for it to be something down the track that has this more of a cultural view to it, but that's, that's the not yet. What's in between that is vast space, and this is what I come back down to, what in between that is, is how am I going to navigate my space to get to that space? Because I, I still, like, I say to Andre and Shanice, we, um, we had a Friday session here, and um, Matt was leading it through there, it was a, like the van, and um, I, I, I did, and I was talking to Amanda about it, and I just didn't realise how many things um, broke me. And some of the words that we shared, and, and not anybody's fault, it was just the things that I grew up with that I thought I had dealt with. <laughs> that I sort of, man was making, I was like, damn it, I didn't deal with it, damn it, you know? Friends that I thought I got rid of came back to haunt me. And uh, it was really, it was surreal, but what was good about it was I learnt that, oh my gosh, that vast space that I thought I had dealt with, what we've been tell, tell means to um, nurture. The, the space that I thought I nurtured, I hadn't nurtured it. So, went home. So I drove to show you last night about it because I haven't been sleeping. Just this whole thing, just coming to this space, and again, it's it's real for me. And and my Shelley says to me, "Hey, it's you don't have an issue with God, like you and God are tight. Yo, you've been tight for years. Your issues with people and concepts that don't look like you and your indigenous makeup. 
and you, you need to learn how to make sure that you tell the VAR because it's not just the other person, it's you too. So hear me on this. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> I know I, there's some internal stuff that, oh my gosh, this they happen. But I'm willing to do that for the sake of my kids that are going to come into a world when I'm not here. Wow. Make sense? So again, but this is where our cultural element comes through. We live in the tension of the now but the not yet. And for a lot of us within your communities or that you're part of, you'll be doing some of this stuff too. But the thing that, I've, again, I'm speaking to myself, I just realised even just now that I've got, to, I've got to really tell that bar, I've got to nurture that space to get to back to whatever the church looks like for me again. Because uh, I have a 10-year-old girl who's a diva um, that would rather get the coffin with me, which I love anyway. That's awesome. What we do that anyway. But I think of her and what the world looks like to her now. Our landscape has changed. Things that uh, we're doing now, that the, you know, the, the wrongs of yesterday become the norms of today. And so I, I, as a parent, and I, I think about that stuff, and, and as a believer, because I, I have a massive faith in who God is, so just so you're all aware, I'm all good, <laughs> I'm solid. Um, I'm good, it's, um, but for me, I, and I haven't probably called myself Christian in probably the last 15 years, because uh, it's such a loaded word for me, yeah. um, but what I do is I, I have a massive faith, I have a deep-rooted, embedded faith that's been built in my culture. Now, let's just plug that just real quick, because... Early missionaries, when they came to the islands, obviously came through Aotearoa, Samuel Marsden, did their, did their thing, woohoo, let's move to Tonga, let's come back down to Samoa, and let's, let's have a party type styles. What they, what they initially brought to the islands, beautiful, I've got no issue with that. My issue is uh, we've lost a bit of our culture in there, because mm. some of our culture stuff was not bad at all. Mm. Maybe we, we just looked at it differently, but no one, no one had bothered to look through the context of our cultural lens. Yes. They looked through the context of a westernised style that didn't fit us. And so my duty now is how do we make sure that in whatever spaces we are that we're looking through that cultural lens too because it's important because uh, again it's a tension that we're living in. <laughs> Mark, we're living in. Nathan, we're living in. Maria, we're, and we just need to make sure that we build that we tell it. Um, but we need your help because it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a one-way one way deck, so to speak. All good? Was it, wasn't too heavy? Okay, let's do this. Um... And so this is uh, when we were approached at Wanavar to come and be a part of this, uh, this Talanoa, again, workshop, which is literally a Talanoa. Um, this is the image that I had, and I was going to draw a whole picture of a, uh, a handshake and an embrace, but I'm not an artist. And hence the folly. And so what I mean by that is, and I'm going to get Andre to get my visual people. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's secret PG, everybody. So, again, this is handshake. But then there's something that we know in culture. And so there's an embrace. And so, again, as a visual picture to wherever you're at, when you have people of culture that will come into your spaces, is it a handshake? Or are you going to embrace? Because that embrace will speak more of who you are than your handshake will ever do. Make sense? And this is that visual image, even in the space that I'm in with the police. I work with, I work with a lot of, I work with the Ram Raiders, with the drug dealers, uh, with the abusers. I work with all of them. Uh, but I don't do the handshake. I do the embrace. Because in my culture, that means, hey, I'm welcoming you. We're going to tell the bar together. Now, whatever you've done is what you've done. I can't, I can't, un, you can't unscramble, scramble whatever it is. Or it is. <laughs> but what I can do wow. is I can tell that bar, I can nurture that space. So he or she, or they, or them, feel the value. Wow. 
and we're going to whatever that means. Make sense? And that's where this whole idea of within your spaces is that a handshake or when you step into our narrative being cultured, will it be an embrace? Because they are the very things that are going to help us as we go forward together in whatever we do. What's really stick is I'm real touchy feely, but my wife's not. Awkward. <laughs> Just a side note. Hey, let's bring this home a little bit, and then we've got some questions and some other stuff. Um, it's really hard trying to um, pack down a lifetime of thoughts, journey, into an hour and a bit. Like, that's just impossible, unless you're super, or, yeah, it's just impossible. And so, this, just even this saying here, is just, it's just been the last 20-odd years in my mind. Of, and I've reworded it, chopped it down again, reworded it again, chopped it down. And it's, it'll probably change come end of the year. Um, but it's real simple, and, it, and again, it's something that we all, sh- we all should know already, is that you know, when care and love is at the centre of, of your faith, for those who have a faith, uh, then, then diversity will always win, because love has room for more. Make sense? Or uh, aloha, or aroha, or agape. <laughs> it has room for more. Does that make sense? And so... Again, even within your conversations that you'll have outside of this, or you'll be processing the process. <laughs> Again, just understand, like, I work with a whole community um, that, that doesn't see this in a lot of the churches, and present, present church not included, but I have a lot, of, and others that know, we just have a lot of people that just don't, don't go to the church anymore. Um, if the church is supposed to be the hope or glory, and, and it's the dream of God, and it's just the ecclesia, and whatever that is, then it has to have these elements in it. Because part of these elements is around how we tell the bar, how we nurture the space. Does that make sense? Now, part of just real quick. So, um, I was challenged by Cooper <laughs> uh, the other day, because Cooper's on this faith journey for himself, him and his girlfriend. Um, and he knows that, again, I don't, I don't get to church anymore, and he knew that Dad was a minister, and he, he knew this is what we did, and all that sort of stuff. And, and his question to me was, when did you fall out of love? And I said, I, I haven't. And he goes, are you sure? I said, I haven't fallen in love. Like, I'm, I'm there, mate. I'm legit. Like, we're tight. He goes, no, seriously, Dad, when did you fall out of love? And, and what that challenged me to where I was at, and he goes, so he goes, so he said to me, because even my persona and, and how I do things, he said, sometimes I can come across grumpy, or like, I do the niceties, or <laughs> say hi, but then I'm like, I just can't wait to get away from the person because I'm this, I'm this extroverted introvert. I need my space, man. Like, after this, man, I'm done with you people. <laughs> I've got a really cool book I'm reading. I can't wait to get into it. But, you know, because I need my space. But what, what really, what, what, he, what he was really saying was to my soul. It wasn't to my mind. It was to my soul. When did you fall out of love? And again, these are the things that we need to help us to tell the vow, like I'm saying, to nurture those spaces because if I, if I don't have love, then I've just become this resounding gong. Um, but it's all about the heartbeat. And so again, culturally, when we think about that, again, I get a visual image of, actually, it's the embrace again. I've got to come back down to that. Because if I don't come back down to that, in terms of my cultural framework, I'm stuffed. Yeah? But again, I'm speaking to myself, like, I ain't superhuman, mate. I... I struggle like the next person. I'm still trying to navigate the space of where I, where I sit. Just real quick too, within the VAR space, and you'll, and you'll get this from a lot of kids and you work with people on that. In the context of what we're living in now, media, social media, anything will tell you what you should look like, what you should be, yeah? 
what you need to do. Sometimes even in our church centers, this is what you have to do to get to this, to be this. You, you get that qualification because you want to be this. I get all of that. In the context of cultural and vast space, it's not about you fitting in, it's about you owning space. And so there's this massive difference. So when we're talking about this, like I know with these two, they own space with me today. With my wine of our family, they own space with me today. We're not just here to fit in. If we were here to fit in, we wouldn't be here. We're here in our space. But in that space, we share it. Does that make sense? Does that? Again, I'm just, just dropping some stuff down from the dog nuggets, just putting it there, pop a ball on. Because again, I just want you to hear some of the stuff. Again, it's just, it's just thoughts and ideas. But again, it's, that's the difference when I'm thinking cultural space. When I'm in my police space and I'm with our, our crew, we've set up a, a cultural room. So when you come into it, we see all this sort of stuff like this. Now, I've got a lot of backlash for it and, and from my own people that work within my organisation that are from faith-based communities and some that aren't. So you can't do that. Why are you having this and this and not for this? It is. Because I'm owning my space. They've asked me to, I'm employed by the police to own my space. I, damn, I'm going to own my space. Mm-hmm. But what the beauty of it is that people come into this space. We've had our big, mm-hmm. big police officers, uh, our um, district commanders come and use this space because they love it. Yeah. There's something in the motifs in the tatal, in our tattoo that tells a story. That gives lineage. That lets people know where we're from. And so having the space down at our, our, our police station right, is the same sort of thing. Again, because we're looking through cultural lenses, cultural spaces. Cool? Last, last story, and then we're going to do some Q&A. And then these guys are going to ask all your questions. <laughs> um, just real quick, in terms of the... So I still love the scripture, so just so you know, my Bible's here. Uh, this, this has been with me for years. This is my Star Wars Bible. Um, ain't no way I'm opening that right now. It's still brand new, and I got this like 15 years ago. <laughs> um, again, just my context. It's, uh, yeah, just, it is what it is, um, but this is my Bible. And so that's, that still means stuff to me, to just so you know, like, like straight up, like, yeah, God's still real for me. But I, I read it in the context of what it was written for, if that makes sense. So for those of you who are in the room again, and I say this in most respect, um, it's how we dig deep into the scripture to understand the scripture. Um, but I'm not looking at it from a hermeneutic type theological standpoint. I'm looking at it from what is the spirit saying in the text to me. Because Pacifica was, was spirit people. <laughs> That's who we are. So what is it spiritually saying to me when I'm reading the context? Makes sense? And when I'm reading it, I'm thinking, wait a minute, okay, it was written to a group of brown people, Hebrews. <laughs> Jesus was my homeboy. You know what I'm saying? And so when I'm reading it, I'm thinking, so what did, what did that context mean? What I'm looking at, I'm not looking at it from the Greek text, so hear me on that, I mean that most respect. I'm looking from the Hebrew, Hebraic, this is what I'm looking at. So when I'm looking at we, um, Philo, and I think the whole, this whole conference has been around the image of God, um, I'm looking at it from the Hebrew side, so Salim. I'm looking at that. What did Salim mean? It means this whole thing, image, from a Hebrew point. And it was totally different to how we view it now. Does it make sense? So when I'm thinking about that, I'm looking at the space between us. They use this word tone. Or tone, but oh, very good. So when, like with Atul, or, or God created heavens and earth, he looked at it and said it was good. What he was meaning there in the word context within Hebrew was tone was the space between. Cultural. Stop it. Get out of here. Take that one. So I'm looking at cultural standpoint from a, from a group of people that were colonised. Uh, and if you read through the context, and again, this is just my views, because again, I'm not going to be here next week. <laughs> <sighs> I'll pack a visit. 
So when I'm reading it from that context, this whole thing looks different to me now. I read it different because I'm looking at a whole group of people that were marginalised. You know what I mean? And that their language and their voice was different. So what our voices are today. But then he says, but I still love it, so don't get me wrong. I'm going to throw this bad boy away. It's like, he'll be with me forever. Um, I just haven't chosen to open it as readily as I normally do because things have changed for me a little bit within my journey. Superheroes, did you want to add any other comments before we get to the Q&A? No, just acknowledging there's other people in the room that have yeah. other experiences too, so feel so free to you know, please speak up. And yeah. Just thank you, Jeremy, for no. Yeah, this whole space. Right. So beautiful place. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so, hey, that's pretty deep, eh? Um, sorry, I was just one thing, Jeremy. I think, um, I think it's very... Probably some one very perspective, to be really respectful of people in the room and others. But please don't take the message away from this that we also think that the church needs to be protected. You know, I think we're very polite. I think do with that whatever you will. We're just saying, like, if you want to understand how religion and culture lands in our communities, this might help you understand it better. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the church is um, void of accountability or the church is void of progress or that the church needs to move in a certain way that we're not um, exempt from challenge, you know. Uh, but we would say that uh, there are ways to do that though in a specific way. And we're going to also do that as well as other approaches as well. So yeah. Okay, so let's um let's continue with this whole follow the follow this follow's been put out there for everyone. Thoughts, questions, comments? Well just to start anything, uh, because, you know, what I heard about you looking through the lens yesterday and over the last few days, we've been, I've got, to, I've got the um, perception of looking through the queer lens in terms of how we embrace, interpret, and bring the Bible and what is there from Jesus into our lives. Mm. That was transformational to me. When I saw you hold up that really well-used... Bible, I saw two keys and I thought, is that the keys to open the tins of corned beef? Because, <laughs> no, I did. And you know what I got? What, what you got? It's, a, it's the transformation of a, a product into something that we now value mm. in our culture, which was dismissed from another one. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's what I think is happening. But I still don't understand the whole concept of bar. I, I think it's, it's two individuals yeah. that have got this aura and be both powerful. No, yeah. When they come together, do they unite or repel? <laughs> and the space is finding the commonality between those two. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a concept that, and that's yeah. no, that I'm, It's all good. Oh, no, I appreciate that too, Mike. Yeah, yeah well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting because my mum, who's 79, mm-hmm. end of the month, yes. we have a lot of conversations around the bar. Because yeah. uh, I've always been really curious what a month, what a one month find it like when she left Samoa to migrate here, yeah. bring us up in English because she wanted us to get ahead because that was her mentality of what she mm-hmm. heard from the missionaries to say this is what you need to do, mm-hmm. um, and asked her about the bar. And what was really yeah. interesting for my mum was she goes, yeah. "What's the bar?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Really?" And so then we unpacked the stuff, and what happened was uh, in my mum's village there were no other uh, male figures or chiefs to take. Um, to really speak into a lot of that stuff. Mm. So what they did was they, they hid a lot within their village, so they didn't talk about it. Mm. And, and then and I was, and I, again, I was, I was heartbroken for my mum, 
Because it's funny, I've always had this in my head for years, and I, ever since I was little, I think it's that innate thing that you have, that spiritual thing you have. And but, but what was really the cool thing about it was me and Mum got to converse about it again, and, and so Mum came, she talked to me different stories, I said, Mum, that's the bar. Wow. I said, Mum, that's the bar, Mum. Oh, how about this? No, that's the bar, Mum. And again, she didn't realise it was really embedded in her. Mm. But because of, again, some of the things that had happened within her village, missionaries come through, um, and what she was taught, she had to part that sort of thing. Because it didn't, didn't make sense to her. Right. So, yeah, so again, and my mum said no, and, she's, and my mum's a cab driver, and uh, <laughs> like I just say, my mum used to carry a hammer if people were making fear. <laughs> or she knew that she knew where the police station was because she drove me straight there. Uh, uh, but again, I said to her, that's a bar, but it's a different sort of bar. So it's <laughs> 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 wow. There's some similar similarities <clears throat> because my mum's Tommen and my father's Samoan, <clears throat> and they committed. They saw a better life in New Zealand, this is how yep. they explained it, and so they brought us up in the culture of New Zealand. Yep. And each and every one of us <laughs> have succeeded, you know, in what it means to be a success yep. in Aotearoa. On top of that, being happy and actually owning that yep. we weren't brought up Tongan or Samoan, yep. but however, it's in us, you know. And, yeah, totally. and I've gone back to two family reunions, major, in, in both Tongan mm. and Samoa, yep. found out where. Dad was born in the village uh, where he was educated, and when yeah. apparently he came top in maths in his class, but yeah. went to leave school because they needed money. He uh, he worked for Morris and Hedstrom, I think it was, and apparently when his sisters and brothers went in, nobody's looking, he took the lid off the, the lolly jar and gave it out to them. And so, yeah, this is yeah. my dad's background. And once my 29 nephews and nieces found this out and visited, Samoa and who dad was being Samoan became a reality. Mm. Eight of them got tattoos and it wasn't even like that. And now they can get up in any public arena, in anywhere, wherever they say, yeah. I love a lot of Samoa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we yeah. are Samoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So see, something like that in Oh, I hear you, mate. See, especially because obviously I'm born and breathed in Aotearoa. So my two are always one foot here mm. and the other foot's within Samoa. And, and so, like, you, like when I started, I, I was in Tamari first because again, I honoured the language that I learned. <laughs> um, my, when I grew up in Porirua, the people that lived with me on the right were the painters, my Māori family. The people that lived with me on the left were the Phillips, my Kokoa family. <laughs> the ones across the road were my Nkia family, the Indian family. Then we had our Pākehā family. And so, yeah. I was just immersed in the culture, this yeah. cultural <coughs> network where. <coughs> the fences were low, so that's when communities were communities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, fences, yeah. And our fences are so high now, no one knows who they were, when we drive people But what was really interesting, even back in those days, again, it's that we conversed really well. Mm-hmm. And then society changed. And then, and then a, lot of our, the, a lot of our cultural norms were taken. You know, we just got. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's real. Really, again, that's the thing that's part of the journey and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. I feel like the you in this place. But tell us a little bit of my journey. My name's Colin. I'm from Wellington. For the last 10 years, I've had the absolutely amazing privilege of being on the faculty of the Wellington Pacific Bible College. Um, I was brought in for it with a particular, um, with a particular ministry. It was really to try and equip uh, many of our Polynesian community who perhaps had not had such positive experiences with education, mm-hmm. but were really wanting to get into the word, who were wanting to sort of find language. And so I, part of my role has been literacy and language, 
Um, but from a worship point of view, I have learned so much from my Pacific friends. Not only that, but I have learned how they, you know, just the, uh, you know, the aloha, the aloha that comes to me. But I've also become aware of my privilege. And that privilege, you know, sometimes I sort of just wish it weren't there. There is a level of esteem, respect, maybe because I'm the man who has the words. Mm. And sometimes I go home and I sort of think, oh, Lord, God, if only I could break through that so that we could have. Mm. Um, I had an experience only about three weeks ago, and it really knocked me. Um, I'm not totally out in that environment. Mm. Not because I'm not comfortable, but because I'm waiting for God's time. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, I think, you know, and I certainly understand the we, you know, Pacific culture and that is coming. Mm. Salvation Army here in New Zealand, uh, we also look after Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa. And I'm very sensitive, for example, Fiji and Tonga. Uh, Samoa, the laws are different. There are so I've got to protect that. So, you know, we were in a, in a we were having a class, and it was very intense. This is the degree class, so I was also a little nervous. In came someone from the uh, Rambo community who was just looking for some help from the church. Um, and they were in a very dark space. And we're sort of thinking, you know, hey, we're in the middle of a class, you know, you're disturbing God's work. Um, <laughs> but anyway, finally, we, it was the fact that the person left. And I felt we needed to talk about that. One of my students said, started misgendering the person. I expect this to do, but do I speak up? Do I speak up? And for the first time, I actually said, we need to. And I called, not to account, but I sort of said, where God has taken me is that that, that language which the Generates which misgenders is no longer, and the response from one of our say, I'm so proud of Israel for now, and I and this whole, I think it's just a partner, and yet the others in the class just put up, surrounded. I left there still feeling embarrassed, uh, not embarrassed, embraced, embraced, not embraced. That to me was the bar. Wow, that is powerful, yes. I think this is, again, because I'm wise in terms of vibe, but, but there, there, are, there are some real keys in terms of how we heal. And part of that is actually the last space, it's the, it's the, the two-year space. Mm-hmm. And I just think, again, there's, there's, there's a lot of... Um, once of a bit of real estate in between mm. <laughs> <laughs> that we can work on uh, uh, to make sense for people because we, we have a whole generation of Gen, gen Ys and Zs that are coming through uh, that again that are totally different again and so the landscape for them will be different in the years to come. But again for us that have been in the world, in the world a little bit longer, um, what's best we're willing to share because that's what it comes down to and that's why the bars are important within our culture. In Japan it's, it's called the Wa, it's called the, um, the Wa as well, but it's in space. And so these things are that we can learn off each other, and how what is what does that look like? You know, what does care look like within your organisation? What does love look like in your organisation? Um, what is what is 
Yeah. What would it mean for you to do some of this stuff within the UA? Um, sorry, can I just go around the Israel for last situation? I think what's really important um, for other people to understand that maybe outside of the community is really the high distrust that Pacific mm. people have with media, and mm. it won't only be Pacific people as well. So if I can just share some personal um, reflections there. Uh, back in the 90s, my parents had started a company as a taxi company in Wellington, and uh, the taxis had, the industry had become deregulated and they started their company, and it was um, the first time there was a Pacific-run company. Around the same time as well, there was an allegation of a um, woman who had been uh, sexually violated uh, in, a, um, in a cab, and the Dominion Post, back then the Dominion, uh, ran without any verification and found out it was actually the mainstream taxi company later that the person drove for, but almost for uh, two weeks they would run a headline of this allegation but they would only ever show the taxi company of my family's taxi company, right? Uh, it was very normal during the 80s and 90s for Pacific people to be quoted verbatim broken English in a newspaper. There was no dignity afforded to that person to even, we understood what they were trying to say. Uh, headlines all the time, just Polynesian, brown, this whole narrative, right? And so therefore when we go on about, um, when you see some Pacific people sticking up for the likes of the Manly Seven or Israel for Love, it's actually deeper than just homophobia going on there. It is a deep distrust in terms of the media portrayals that continue to endure today around our people that have gone into the public consciousness and the way that we view people just by the way that we see them. So that's one thing. The second thing I'll say that really deserves me around the Israel Falah situation on another level, and then also the so-called Manly Seven, which is the uh, Manly Rugby League team, is, is that in this situation, what you see is the likes of Israel Falah and the Manly Seven being poster boys and the people pulling the puppet strings behind the back are groups like the Australian Christian Lobby yeah. and Family First yeah. and whoever else. Yeah. So when the Manly thing happened, Family First in New Zealand, they went ahead with their Manly um, Seven campaign. It's just so loaded, right? Like Manly, not only the rugby team, but the so-called Manly Seven. Seven, seven of them were Browns, six, uh, seven, uh, six of them were Pacific as well. So what I see in this situation is, is that then the whole public then come on and say things like, oh, these Pacific people, they're so religiously indoctrinated. They just do that. And for some of that is true, but in the back, the people that are benefiting from this discussion are those powers that be, and our people are doing the heavy lifting in the conversation. So I get annoyed just on many levels about that. And then not to mention the whole rainbow element as well, where then our people... And this annoys me no end that um, people in our communities, because of the, the role of sport in our countries and how big it is and how big rugby is, mm. is that we've got people in our own communities that are more willing to stick up for someone they'll never meet, as they're off a $2 million contract, than the people within their own communities. So it's at that end that, after being a pastor for 11 years in Sydney and Wellington, that when I started to see this conversation, conversation going around in 2019, and I was getting very disturbed when I was going to social media and I would see people saying exactly that stuff. I'm proud of Israel. To yeah. say that you're proud of Israel as a Pacific person, then infers what are you for the person who's rainbow in your community? That started to really bother me. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to come out as a former pastor. And what I didn't see was a lot of nuance in that discussion. So uh, it came out in the newspaper. Uh, but it was for that very fact, because I was so worried that another generation 
Pacific people will go back into the closet, and not only Pacific people go into the closet, but we've got people in our communities, our family and our church leaders who should be our allies, because we're all vulnerable, by the way. When you see me, the first thing you'll see is that you're brown. You can't tell I'm gay straight away. Is that we all face the same type of discrimination or whatever and things are going on for us. So I'm like, this is where we need to unite and not for you within the community to punch down on the, on the community that's already marginalised. So I think there is a role for our, um, and this is why I call, in a very specific way, start to call for our Pacific leaders to have a whānau family conversation. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen, with all due respect, by the Western Balangi model. Because we've seen that model, uh, you see it coming out of America and it's just continuing to go. I hope that if there's going to be an inclusive version of Christianity in New Zealand, it could happen via our Polynesian brothers and sisters. But, but we have become so indoctrinated and colonised within these systems that we can't do it. So my appeal is to like, hey, don't forget who we are, first and foremost. So I think okay. um, what Jeremy's saying here, that these approaches will, should work for everyone. Come off up and thank you. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. Oh. I really no, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. well, people say sorry to me. Of, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I respect what you're saying. Yeah, I was saying. No, no, I'm, not, no, I'm, I'm oh, just yeah. acknowledging yeah. the pain yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that yeah. is shared. And I share that pain, yeah, but through a white eyes. Thank you. Thank you. I think about Pacifica and each nation and their laws around homosexuality and being queer, uh, which, uh, which islands or nations am I safe to go to where I won't be locked up for sleeping with a man? Yeah. And I, I don't know, in Samoa, is it illegal to be queer or uh, sex with a man? Now, well, one of my cousins are. <laughs> so, um, but what they do was, everything gets hit, it was in the church. And so, is it frowned upon yet? Yeah. Um, do people still? Yeah. Because again, it's this upside down economy <laughs> where they work. Again, because it's just really weird. But I think, because I, I had a, a gay friend of mine who heard her wife went over, and she said, Do I tell them that um, well, wife and wife? Just tell them that. It's okay. Because again, I think there's something we've got to, one, we've got to break down some of those conversations. Because otherwise, because they don't know what they don't know. They've just been brought up with what they've been brought up with. Like, yeah. I was brought up with what you know, was brought up with. I went to the FIKASAR church, don't go to any other church, you're going to hell. That was it. Because <laughs> yes. that's all you know. Mm. So, like, you know, a woman will say, oh, no, nah, you're going to go to hell. Nah, because that's the stuff, that, again, that was indoctrinated to us mm. earlier. But I think having conversations is right. Just talk to some people. Bring us. <laughs> Bring anybody here. Ask, you know, it's, it's okay to ask. But, but we can't ask if we're not going to come into the conversation. And we're not going to tell the vibe, we're not going to share that space. Because otherwise, sure, it's, okay. it becomes just loud noise on the outside. Nothing gets done. So, but, no, don't. Hey, you could, you The good part I used to get confused with was Yeah. And then how that was yeah. embraced within Samoan culture. Yeah. I think, well, you embraced those products, they're legal to Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually because even though they do embrace it, it's still, hey, it's a lot of one and one, whatever they go. They still embrace it, but they don't embrace it. It's it. You know what I mean? It's really it's weird, our culture. Yeah. <laughs> but then having said that, if you look through history, there's a really good book um, that was, uh, the name's just gone in my head. But the Fafa thing is, back in, uh, before the um, missionaries had come through, they were the first ones to the Whareo, the meeting house. Yeah. They led the way. Um, 
How beautiful is that? Yeah. They right. even asked from the village to the. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry for one. Um, it does really weird our culture. <laughs> 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 and and we also yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, part of our challenge culturally is this um, this weaving of mm. cultural identity and faith that has um, you know is so established. Mm. Many of us don't know which is which anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually, a lot of our um, religion, mm -hmm. faith, beliefs, we're not originally mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. That's what missionaries brought to us mm -hmm. in the islands. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so what that looks like now isn't how we live mm -hmm. originally, traditionally, culturally. Um, and I just wanted to play from some of your tunnel around for Pacifica people to um, come out in terms of sexuality and identity. It costs a lot, like many of you, yes. so yes. it may have cost you your community, yes. you know, the separation from your community, your family, yes. um, your loved ones, yes. as it does for us. Um, and also our faith, that people, you know, cost us a separation from our mm. faith and spirituality. And in that space for us, church is a place for cultural identity, access mm. to language, connecting with those that we, are, we love and related to, our sense of belonging, all of that. So on top of everything else, you know, like when you came out, did anyone say to you, right, you are not Pākehā anymore? You know? Yeah. But to us, it can cost yeah. us yeah, yeah, yeah. our culture and yeah. our identity in terms of being Samoa, you and Pākehā and Pākehā. So um, there are lots and lots of layers there because for us, um, we are Pacifica, but we also put up in Western culture as well. You know, so it's really complex. Yeah. And I'm only well, I only want to flag that because some of you are in a position where you'll be working with our people and particularly our young ones and so maybe thinking about that complexity when you do yeah. and um, that you may have some bits that relate to our you know people's yeah. experience but there are some pieces that will be missing for you yeah. um, that are unique to I'm also a Kerpa, so everything, every time you said your son's name, I was like, what, man? <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, this is to, uh, just a bit of a challenge, um, and respectfully, but um, when I heard you say that around, um, you know, they that, um, put some. Uh, that um, oh my god my brain just went completely uh, uh, absent um, but that um, uh, that you're challenging that um, homosexuality wasn't accepted but that other um, stuff was um, and, and it's not but I felt a bit of a aggression in that um, and like your, your cordero just there um, like that kind of helped towards the understanding I feel and I just challenge to try to, when you feel that hurt, to try to dive a bit more from an understanding perspective. Um, yeah.
grew up in Ōtara and yeah, <laughs> surrounded by Pacifica and, and Māori yeah. and was totally confused. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, they yeah. 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 yeah, I'd just like to um, sort of go along the same lines as Maria yeah. about um, growing up in a very complex um, situation, being a lesbian, being mixed race, being sort of middle class, you know, and also mixing um, and working closely with people whose um, uh, economic situation is probably not as good as mine. So every time I'm going to work, I'm continually trying to check myself out saying, oh, is it okay to feel this way when actually I'm um, working in a, in a group which um, delivers social services? Yeah. And also working with Matua, you know, um, mm. not all of them are very accepting of um, homosexuality. Mm. And even though I can't speak the language, I can pick up the vibe. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I gain incredible strength from that. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, change my... Awesome you know, my lifestyle or what I believe in just to fit into that little social norm. But I'd just like to say it is a real struggle when you're, you know, that you're multiple ethnicities, you're not from the stereotypical Pacifica background, you know. There's heaps of things to juggle. And it can be quite exhausting. But really valuable if you can channel your energy in the right direction. Um, my question is about what do you want allyship to look like on this journey of Pacifica people, of queer people becoming more accepted within Pacifica cultures? But I'm just thinking about, you know, Andre, I heard you talking about that intellect in your father and in your family. And Shanice, I hope you don't mind my saying, Shanice is a lawyer admitted to the bar. and. You ask us at the commission a really difficult question. We turn to her. And there, I'm, I'm concerned at the history of savior complex in Pakia. And how do we get out of the way? What do you want from us to be better allies for this journey that you're on? How do we deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just real quick, because I know Thomas is taking a great question. That, like, um, yeah. put in this example, like. Obviously, my wife, Shelley, she's Pākehā, uh, her mum and dad Pākehā. Uh, the whole time they've known me, they've never wanted me to be Pākehā. <laughs> they've just wanted me to be Samoan. And, and what I loved, what they did was they, again, I'm bringing back to the South Park, they, they just listened. And they, and they cried with me, and they worked through some of my stuff. Um, but they, were, they, weren't, they weren't there to change me. Like you said, that, that, you know, the whole Messiah complex, mm-hmm. he's had these broken nails and broken. I just need to be just chilled out and, and let me have my space. Mm-hmm. And so I think from that point of view, um, it's just listening. Mm-hmm. And then and actually, because there's two types of listening. There's listening, and I see this. Or there's actually deep listening. Let's do this vibe and let's do this kanohi get the kanohi. Let's sit down, let's have some kai. Let's just say, hey, let's talk, let's converse. Because um, that's what this is about. Yeah. And I think that helps big time, like massively. So, I think it's just listening and talking and, and, not, and not being scared to share the space because that's what we've found through the years is people are scared to share space. Share maybe, maybe scared because they're not too sure what's gonna, what the response will be. But I think anything, um, healing always happens in a mess. 
And you know, to, to think that getting happens and everything's all A-OK -okay and all your ducks are in the line, it's just, excuse my language, that's just shit. Healing happens in mess. And scripture talks about that. So you see that. And so I think be, be courageous to have those conversations because honestly, uh, culture will love you. You know, even more so. Oh, yeah. Can I just say that also, if we are celebrating diversity, we are Diversity is, you know, we're talking about sexuality and identity, yeah. but diversity is also an especially culture. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, so when, when we're in these spaces thinking about, like, you can visually see with the way this room is set up, that, you know, we're wearing our colours, yeah. we're wearing our culture, mm -hmm. and so in terms of that, that, that when we're looking at diversity, thinking about, so when we get invited into this space, mm. how have we been, how has our culture been considered? Mm. You know, like in the way that we've been asked and the way that, that the space has been prepared and the way that we're in this really small room, <laughs> you know, where we're kind of thinking we're larger than life, mm. you know, <laughs> and, and and actually how would we have liked it? So yeah, it is that too that yeah. we celebrate diversity and sometimes we forget that element but you know, for our communities. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just going back to Matt's question, I think the thing to remember is that we're in a system that is basically um, targeted and focused to be frank, towards white people mm -hmm. and in terms of white systems as well. So I think to answer your question, Matt, is that when you can, and I know that you do, that's what I'm saying, here, but when others can help influence the system to share the mic or to provide space or to facilitate change yeah. for your brothers and sisters mm -hmm. that are Pacific or Māori or whoever else, please do. And just to give an example, um, I just came from speaking at the Human Rights Conference in Sydney. But to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for Matt, because um, in the panel that we had, they only had one space left between people in Australia and New Zealand. And because I'm such a Samoan, I was like, give it to the Australians, which I truly meant, because they've done yeah. lots of great work. And then Matt in the email trail says, Andre will never say this, because, you know, but um, he will be able to speak to this issue really well. If, if you could, you should let him speak. And then from that, they actually made space for both me and an Australian friend as well. And the same way that Matt was just able to say here that actually, you might not see this when you look at Shinny's, but she's also a lawyer as well. It's just challenging those assumptions because when we walk into the room, this is what people assume of us. And so right in the equity, it's like challenging those assumptions and then seeing if you can facilitate space. So thanks for doing that, Matt. For us, but that's a challenge for all of us as well. And as we, and my privilege that I have, do that for other spaces as well. I'm like building off both of those. I think for me the answer part of the answer is sort of disconnecting the, the what from the how when you sort of look back and evaluate these things. Because I think when I went to all those different churches with all the different cultures, the what was pretty similar. Like the the crux of it is really similar. But the how is the how is where the hurt wants. And I think that's also like a way that we sort of like where the listening comes in is like, you know, you might have a lot of care for me, that's what you have. But the how you care for me really starts in those places. Um,